This week in our Lenten series, we continue a team advent, familiar faces, uh, who both lay and clergy, who do ministry at the advent. And uh, today we feature uh, not a demon deacon, as we have for the last uh, two days, but a Yahoo. Oh, excuse me, a Wahoo. Yahoo's a... <coughs> I actually went to the internet to check out to see what it was, and I, and I, I finally... That was, that was interesting, but he's a graduate of University of Virginia. He did his uh, seminary work at Wycliffe Hall, uh, Oxford, uh, and England. But all these things and uh, other things you can learn by looking at our Lenten uh, brochure. What is the one thing or some things that you might know about Andrew that even the people who work here might not know? Well, I went to the source himself, and above all, Andrew wants you to know that he was named best all-round by his senior class in high school. And it was interesting that of all things, that uh, because I can assure you there are other things, probably a little less fat, flattering that he could have shared with us. <clears throat> but the clergy voted him last week as most humble, so I'll lift that up to you also. <clears throat> Once again, there's not a heretical bone in this man's body. He's been here for two years, and his preaching and his teaching ministry has have blessed us immensely. Andrew will preach to us after we sing stanzas one and five, stanza one and five of him, 493. Lord, that we might see Jesus. Amen. Amen. Reading from John's Gospel, the fifth chapter, beginning with the first verse. There was a feast of the Jews... And so Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, an Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roof colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who was the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, as there was a great crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found this man in the temple. The word of the Lord. When I was in seminary, uh, we were required every year to do a mission. And they were pretty substantial missions where a number of students, almost the entire seminary, would go to a city or a place in England, and we would hold uh, Sunday services, we would do evening things, we would hold all kinds of events, and we would go to great lengths to try to attract people's attention. And uh, Michael Green 
who is a well-known evangelist in England, would head up these as the evangelism tutor where I went to seminary. And uh, Michael uh, was pretty perceptive, and he was able to place people right where they needed to be in uh, the missions that we went on. And so we all boarded in our cars and headed off for Plymouth, England. And uh, as we were there, Michael pulled me aside and he said, Look, I have the perfect venue for you. I want you to go and address a ladies' auxiliary group who are having tea. And he said, it is the perfect group for you. And I walked in, and the youngest lady in the room of about 40 was 70 years old. Uh, And Michael's right, because my wife even knows that my demographic is basically over 70, under 7. I have that one down. And while there, uh, we sat down, the china had been brought out, it was a lovely event in this large hall, and uh, we all gathered round, and the idea was that they were going to ask me questions uh, about faith or or whatever it was that they would like to ask, and uh, one of the younger ladies in the group, who was around 70 years old, uh, stood up and she said, "Uh, I want you uh, to know that uh, I ministered to my husband while he was dying of cancer. And it was a very difficult time for me. And he died. And now I've met someone new. But I don't want to marry them. And I saw some ladies leaning in, meaning that there were some others dealing with similar situations. And I thought there was a curious question. And so I asked her to draw it out a little bit. And what was very clear is what she was struggling with is even though she was no longer married to her husband and he had died of cancer, that she had really not ever gotten over it. In fact, in the midst of now with this other man, she said that she would still take his handkerchiefs out and iron them. Well, this afternoon, uh, we have a man who is a lot like that woman. Many of us struggle with things in life. It might be an illness It might be a besetting sin. It might be a circumstance. And we long to be freed from it. We pray that God would heal us of it. We pray that God would remove it from our lives. We long to be freed of it. But what we found is the very thing that we long to be freed from has become part of who we are. It's become part of our identity. And even though we want to be delivered from it, there is something in us, in our nature, that holds on to it so tight and is afraid to let it go. Because what's going to happen if God actually does deliver us from the very thing that we want to be freed of? And here we have a man who had been an invalid for 38 years. Now, we don't know uh, that he'd been going to the pool at Bethesda for all those years, but Jesus said that he knew that he had been there for a long time. And this pool, uh, they thought, had sort of mystical powers, uh, which sounds far-fetched, but even in our country, we have places like the Greenbrier and Hot Springs, uh, where you can go and uh, relax in mineral baths and things like that. Uh, But the idea was that an angel would come and stir the water, and it was first come, first served. Whoever got into the water first received their healing. And so this man had placed himself in this beautiful 
pool uh, where lots of people would gather. It was a public place. It's a little bit uh, like uh, out here in the garden that we have. It's a nice place just to sit and have lunch. And they built some colonnades where you could uh, sit under there if there was inclement weather. And here this man was. And day after day, he made his way there, maybe with the help of friends, maybe on his own. But he knew that because he had trouble getting there, he had to get up very, very early. And even then he had to get there very, very early because he had to be the first in. And yet day after day went by, and just as he was about to get into the water, someone went ahead of him. He was looking for deliverance. And Jesus asked him a very curious question. Do you want to be healed? You'd think that that would be rhetorical. But Jesus is actually asking this man... Do you really want to be healed? We know because he didn't recognize Jesus or know who healed him that he didn't even look up to answer Jesus. And he says this to Jesus, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. You see, this man had in his mind a very definitive way about how Jesus might heal him. He thought that the only avenue to be delivered from this invalidity was for him to get into the pool first. But what's curious about this is that this is a very public place. He was a known commodity because when they were in the temple, uh, they recognized him. Uh, He'd been there a long time. Everybody knew that he was there. And day after day, he couldn't get into the pool. And yet, though it was a crowded place, and here is a man saying, Do you want to be healed? Never once did he ask anybody for help into the pool. Not once. Time after time, he would try to crawl down to the pool or limp or however he could get there. And yet was always beaten to the punch. And upon hearing this excuse, Jesus says to the man, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and he walked With a word, Jesus heals this man. And he heals him in a way that the man didn't expect. In fact, he heals him in a way that the man has no part to play. You know, if I were Jesus, I would think, you know, this guy has a pretty good suggestion. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to sit here and we'll wait for the waters to be stirred. And then uh, I, Jesus, will help you down into the pool. But so that this man might know that Jesus is the one who has the power to heal, save, and forgive. Jesus does it all. This man is simply a passive player and his only response is to receive the healing, which is involuntary. For in his command to get up, take up your bed, and walk, the man has no choice but to get up now that he's been made whole. Jesus heals him totally. And Jesus does this because he sees to the man's heart, because we will never willingly let go of our identities, even those things that we cry to be delivered from. 
because they're safe and they're manageable. Even those besetting sins that we think, I want to be delivered from this. I know that I need to let go. We come up with our master plans as how we might go about them, and especially in the season of Lent, you might be attempting that. But in fact, the more that we concentrate on those things that plague us, the more that we think about them, the more we try to manage them, the more they get a hold of us, rather than us getting a hold of them. And we find that our very definitions are wrapped up in those things that we ask for deliverance from. And here in this story, we find that the focus is not on the object, it's not on his invalidity, it's not on the man's struggle, but it's on Jesus. Because focus on the issue will only consume you. And like this man, what we think we need and what we really need in life are often two different things. This man didn't need the health spa. This man didn't even need just a little bit of help getting out and down into the pool. What this man needed was Jesus Christ and his direct intervention in this man's life. And that's what we all need because there's not one of us here this morning whose mind often goes to whatever it is that we're dealing with in life. The things that we long for God to take out of our lives. And yet there's a part of us that holds on tight, tightly to them. But we see here with this man in the pool of Bethesda. That for those who cry out for mercy. And even those who don't. Jesus stands by ready to tell us. Get up. Take up your bed. And walk. Jesus doesn't just stop us here because we read when Paul writes to the Corinthians, for anyone who was in Christ, he is a new creation. In fact, Paul is so excited about this declaration of who we are in Jesus Christ that the Greek literally is rendered, if you are in Christ, new creation. New creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And so this morning... If you're longing, or this afternoon, so used to saying that, this afternoon, if you're longing for deliverance, if you find yourself trying to make a game plan forward to rid yourself of whatever it is that plagues your life, that you know deep down inside is part of who you are, and there's a little bit of you that is frightened, or a lot of you that is frightened of what will your life be like, If you were to actually let it go, you look no further than Jesus Christ this afternoon. And when Jesus heals this man, where does he find him? He finds him in the temple, a place of worship, a place of sacrifice, a place of thanksgiving. His life had been changed. Now, there's no indication in the scripture that That he was a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, we don't know that he is. In fact, he didn't know who healed him. But what he did know is that God had something to do with it. And he had nothing to do with it. And his great fear of, what am I going to do now? Now that I have been delivered. 
his changed heart had been flooded with thanksgiving for what God had done in his life, a complete and total healing, and trust in the one whose promise is to always have mercy. And so those of us who identify with this man at the pool of Bethesda know that Jesus stands ready to heal you. And even though we might be unwilling to let go of the things that plague us, that we might have our own game plans, praise God that he doesn't wait for us to come around to his way of thinking, but intervenes, for he cares for us and makes us new creations. The old is past, the new has come. Your deliverer has come near. Let us pray. Almighty Lord, who is a strong tower to all who put their trust in him, to whom all things in heaven, on earth, and under the earth bow and obey, be now and evermore your defense, and make you know and feel that the only name under heaven given for health and salvation is the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.